0: Hi there. Welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. We're so happy
1: that you tuned in. Please join us today as we continue our series through the book of Matthew. Thanks for joining us online as we go through a series called asking for a friend have you ever had one of those questions where you know you're supposed to know the answer but you are so embarrassed to ask it and then you kind of just pose it as hey I'm asking for a friend can anybody help me out with the answer to this question through this series we will learn that Jesus loves to hear us asking him questions and he loves to answer those back if you are new or a regular Thank you so much for logging in. We appreciate all of your um, love and support and generosity through all of these series that we uh, present for you guys. If this is your first time, please log on to www.branchlife.church backslash connect. And in there, you will be able to fill out a connection card. We would love to give you a new Matthew journal as a free gift for, um, logging in and joining us. If you would like more information about our church, you can also go to the website and we, you can find out some events that what's going on and some more um, series that we have already done and just ways to help encourage you. So thanks for jumping in and we hope you enjoy this new series.
0: Alright, we're jumping into our Asking for a Friend series, so if you have your Matthew journals, go ahead and grab those, and we're going to be in pages 98 and 100. If you don't yet have a journal, if this is your first time with us, we'd love to get one of these to you as our gift, and uh, they are available down at the Connection Center for our family and our friends and our guests today. Don't forget to fill out your Connection card, and Pastor Scott's going to come up as we talk more about groups at the end of the service to tell you exactly how you can fill out that card uh, moving forward from here. So uh, Matthew chapter 18, in church circles, this is a famous chapter, Uh, it's a chapter that gets talked a lot, lot, uh, connected to the word discipline, and we're going to dive into this chapter because I think uh, there's a more exciting word that is connected to this chapter than the word discipline, that we all need to make this chapter famous for. I want to begin by asking, how many of you have already filled out your Wordle Wordle for the day online? You've already done your Wordle? All right, good. Uh, Well, I did mine early this morning and posted my results online so far. I'm batting 100%. Over the last couple of weeks, I'm excited about that. Uh, So it's been an eventful week. A lot of us have also been praying every day for baby Maggie, who's a part of the Prosser family. Uh, Maggie went into the hospital a couple of days ago with infant botulism, which is basically, in essence, a poisoning. And uh, they uh, get rushed her medicine from California. She got it uh, a couple of days ago and has been on the medicine. Uh, as of this morning, baby Maggie is getting stronger. She's, she's got food in her system. She's perking up a little bit. Still very weak, and they're still praying that she would not get any infections, not get anything like a cold or anything right now because her body is so weak. Uh, so for updates, just stay tuned to our social media and stuff, and we'll make sure that you have that. So thank you guys for praying uh, for Maggie through all of this Uh, time we want to now jump into this incredible famous passage about forgiveness and here's the question of today that we're asking for a friend how many times must I forgive like like when when do I have to and when do I not have to have you ever asked this question like is it ever okay to just be mad and just hold on to it can I can I wait a few weeks to forgive and just maybe do it later can I put it off for another time this is the question that comes up right in the middle of this chapter, and we're going to be talking about forgiveness just briefly this morning, but I want, I want you to understand in this moment, of all the spiritual qualities that God calls us to, in being godly, in having wisdom, in having love and charity and faith, I think forgiveness is the underrated superpower for each and every Christian of Jesus. It's it shouldn't be a question of how, how when must I forgive? It should be a question of when do I get to forgive? It's my privilege to forgive and you are stronger when forgiveness is a part of your routine. You're stronger in relationships, you're stronger in life, you're stronger in character. A lot of people say that that it takes more strength to be just it takes more strength to be angry to hold on to an offense to to carry it through but really forgiveness is the stronger of the two acts and so jesus is going to get this question today look on page 100 in your journals or look at verse 21 in matthew 18 and it says this then peter came up to him jesus saying lord How often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as 70 times, or excuse me, as many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, and he's going to do this twice in this passage, I do not say to you seven times, but I say 70 times seven. In other words, you need to forgive him a bajillion times. You need to forgive him every time. And and again, there's a lot of history here in this connection like Being raised as a Jewish young person, they were given instructions on like three strikes and you're out. You forgive them the third time, but the fourth time you're done. And Jesus is answering Peter this question, how often must I forgive? And he's saying, you got to do it every single time. No questions asked, right? And then he tells them this story. And let's just travel through this real quickly. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven might be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servant. Jesus is going into a parable that represents what it's like to live with Jesus as king. When he began to settle the accounts, a servant was brought to him who owed him $10,000. Here's the second time Jesus does this. What, or it's not, not dollars, 10,000 talents. For the disciples, when Jesus said the servant owed him $10,000, it's like Jesus said the servant owed him a quadrillion billion dollars. It's a ridiculous, unaccountable sum of money. If we were trying to like literally say how much is 10,000 talents today, it's north of $40 billion. So this servant owed this king billions and billions of dollars, and duh, in verse 25, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children, so that they had, and all they had, so that payment could be made. That is justice. The, the debt was so great that the just thing to do was to now sell him, his family, his kids, and everything that they owed to repay the debt, the owe that he had. Well, the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me. I'll pay you everything. Yet his nose grew two feet longer. Verse 27, out of pity for him. The master of the servant released him. Circle, square, underline, highlight, the word release. And forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, From the king, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Again, being literal, 15K. Enough to buy a pretty nice used car. He seized him and began choking him, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you same request verse 30 he the servant refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt and when the other servants saw what had taken place they were greatly distressed and wouldn't you be too that's the guy who got his billion dollar debt forgiven and now he's running over to joe and he's kicking him in the face for pennies All of us would understand the injustice in this moment. That guy should have been hugging Joe and saying, don't worry about it. If you like win the lottery, right, do you go around asking people for more money? No, he should have given Joe more money. It doesn't make any sense that this, this forgiven servant had this reaction. In verse 32, then his master summoned him and said, you wicked servant. I forgave you all because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all the debt. So, my, so also my heavenly father, and this is a powerful statement, will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brothers from your heart. Interesting tag, from your heart... I forgive you. Not really. I forgive you, but I'm still mad inside. I forgive you, but I want to put you in the face. He's like, if you don't forgive with your heart, that's it. You're going to pay your own debt. Wow, what in the world does he mean? Well, when Peter asked, when must I forgive? Jesus says, you've got to forgive every time. Why? Because it's the only thing that makes sense for a Christian. It's the only logical way to answer this question. Because in order to become a part of the family of God, you must realize that you are a sinner and that you cannot forgive yourself, that Jesus has to forgive your sins. And so you, you came crawling on your knees to Jesus and said, God... Please forgive me. I'm a sinner. I can't do it. I need your salvation. You sent your son to die on the cross for me. He rose again from the dead. I'm trusting in him for salvation. And God forgives you and brought you into the family of God. And you just won a $40 billion lottery. You are now the son and daughter of a king. You're going to live in heaven forever. In the You're going to have streets paved with gold and the mansion built for you and the crystal sea as your view. And it's going to be unbelievable. Gathered together with the saints. God's going to be the light. New heaven and new earth. And it's just like... It's just. It's awesome. And then you got mad at who for what? It doesn't make sense. And Jesus is reminding Peter, I don't care what rules you've been told. I don't care what law someone gave you. The reaction for a Christian when it comes to forgiveness must be forgive every time. Here's here's the truth principle of this. Forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people, period. That's how this works. And if you cannot bring yourself to forgive someone, then what this parable is saying, then maybe you have not been forgiven. Maybe you did not come to Jesus in humility, truly confessing your sins and asking him to cover them with the blood of Christ. Maybe you're playing a Christianity game. Maybe you just like the Bible. Maybe you grew up in it forever. But if forgiveness, unforgiveness is a staple of who you are, then you don't understand forgiveness and what you've been forgiven. And then can you truly be saved? Because forgiven people forgive people. Forgiveness is the key to healthy relationships. Forgiveness is the superpower of Christians. It's the, it's the ingredient of, for successful relationships. So not only must you forgive if you're a Christian, because man, oh man, you've been forgiven so much. Forgiveness is given to us as Jesus, by Jesus, not as a punishment, not as like a spiritual discipline, but as a gift. Forgiveness is awesome. Forgiveness is amazing. Forgiveness is a privilege. And when you apply forgiveness to any relationship, it's the key to those healthy relationships. So you, you, ask, you want to ask someone uh, who's lasted in marriage for 50 years, right? What's the secret to your success? Here, here, if Whether they know it or not, here's the secret to their success. Successful marriages are simply a union between a man and woman who have both learned how to forgive well. That's it. Because they wouldn't be together otherwise parents you are naturally good at forgiving your kids listen I was the good twin and I had a bad twin I behaved he did not I was the staple child he was the black sheep mom and dad still loved him They forgave him every time. They still called him a son. Right? It's the son only a mother could love. Because parents get really good at forgiveness. Great parents are good at forgiving their kids. They don't hold their offenses against them. You didn't throw your kid out the first time and said no. You wanted to, but you didn't. You forgave them. You brought them back. You nurtured them. You, you, You rebuilt the relationship. And so parents... Healthy parents are healthy at forgiving. Siblings that are able to get along, get along better when they are able to forgive one another. Yet, siblings have a really hard time forgiving. That's my toy. I saw it first. I hate you. Bam! But when you ever see these two kids that get along really well, how do they do that? They're constantly forgiving each other for stealing their toys, for punching them in the face, for spilling their juice getting them in trouble with mom, even when they're the good twin. Forgiveness is the key to healthy relationships. At work, at school, on your, on your team. Forgiveness is this powerful, super ingredient for healthy relationships. Here's, here's the truth of the matter when it comes to relationships. You will get hurt you're going to get hurt. Husband, you're going to get hurt by your wife. Wife, you're going to get hurt by your husband. Brother, you're going to get hurt by your sister. Sister, you're going to get hurt by your brother. Teammate, you're going to get hurt by your teammate. Employee, you're going to get hurt by your boss. Boss, you're going to get hurt by your employee. It is going to happen. Flock, you're going to get hurt by your shepherd. Shepherd, you're going to get hurt by your flock. Friendly fire is real. Pain will come; it is guaranteed. Rule number two in relationships: promise number two, you will hurt someone. You will hurt someone. I I I've told the story a couple of times. I hurt my friend. I, we were playing a game at college where we were pushing a. This is stupid. We're pushing a, a fifteen-passenger van through the quad, without the engine on, in neutral. The team that could push their fan the fastest wins. I'm I'm behind my friend on the movable van door that slides back and forth, and I'm holding the door. My friend's in front of me, and he's pushing in the the arm of the door. And I'm trying to push this van as hard as I can, except my door's moving. I'm like, it'd be way better if I just shut the door. So I throw the van door shut right into his hand, that's pushing the, it it latches with his hand in the door. I threw up. I felt so bad. I couldn't believe that I hurt my friend. I couldn't believe that I smashed his hand in a van door. And that's just the worst physical pain I've caused other people. When you make a choice that unintentionally hurts the people that you love the most. When you make a choice that intentionally hurts the people that you love the most. We've all been there where we've done something, said something, chosen the wrong path, went the wrong direction, lost our temper, handled the money improperly, uh, uh, cursed somebody out, and we hurt someone. It happens in every single relationship you're in. And Number three. You will have to react. You're going to react. Either you're going to grow colder, you're going to grow warmer, either you're going to apologize or you're going to get angrier, either it's going to escalate or it's going to de-escalate, and you're going to stuff it down and pretend it never happened. You are going to have to react. Listen, you are in a constant pattern of dealing with hurt, hurt that you've caused and hurt that has been caused by others. How in the world are we supposed to deal with it? God has given you the gift of forgiveness. He's demonstrated it. He's explained it. He's offered it to you. He's given it to you. And now he's saying to you, give it to everyone else every chance you get. It's the key to healthy relationships. At any moment, you can decide that the pain is too great and this relationship now no longer exists. And the marriage falls apart. And the, and the, the mom and the, and the daughter are no longer on speaking terms. We're quitting this job and we're out of here because I've had it with you. And we get to this moment in our friendships. We used to be so close, but now we never speak anymore. And I have just blocked, 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 blocked all of you on social media. But Jesus says, no, a mark of a Christian should be forgiveness. Now... Part of the reason we have trouble with forgiving is because we don't understand forgiveness. And I don't have time to go into this. I'm just going to say these things, bang, 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 bang. And maybe another time that this comes up in our study, we can talk about it for. But what is forgiveness? We need to understand what it's not. Forgiveness is not forgetting. You can't erase what happened in your brain. That's not a thing. So trust me on that. Forgiveness doesn't mean trusting. When I forgive someone, it doesn't mean I automatically now trust them. It's not blind trust. If someone has repeated bad behavior and you're in the 70th, 70th time, 70th time, it doesn't mean that you now trust them completely. It doesn't mean you erase appropriate boundaries. It, it, it's not That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean uh, striving to be unjust or not caring about justice. Sometimes people do things when they hurt others that require justice, that require punishment, that require Appropriate reprobations. Life is choices, choices have consequences. My forgiveness is not saying I now no longer want there to be justice. That's not forgiveness either. Forgiveness is releasing them from control on your heart. Forgiveness is letting it go in your spirit. Dropping it. There's a $40 billion debt that the master has, and he drops it. He lets it go. Now I trust God with wisdom for boundaries, with wisdom with my trust. How will I give my heart out again? Will I give it the same way as I did last time? Probably not. What what should the justice be in this moment? I leave that justice in God's hands, allowing him to move it forward as he sees fit. So that I can forgive, release someone from control of my heart. You see, when you don't forgive, you're just allowing another person's hurt to continue to damage you. When you forgive, you then release yourself from the control that that person has. That that takes incredible strength. To truly, truly, truly say, I acknowledge the hurt and I'm letting it go. Even if they never apologize. Here's my favorite piece of advice about forgiveness in every relationship. Pre-approve forgiveness. You need to pre-approve forgiveness. Wives, pre-approve that you will forgive your husband for everything he will ever say. Pre-approve him for forgiveness. Husbands, pre-approve your wives. Pre-approve your wives for, for anything that they might do that might annoy you or hurt your feelings. Pre-approve your kids, pre-approve your friends, pre-approve your coworkers to say, I'm coming into this with your forgiveness already pre-done so that when it happens, I don't even have to consider whether or not I'm going to forgive you. Every pre-marriage counseling session that that I have as a pastor, I say, listen, you're going to have to decide now that you're going to forgive your husband and wife for everything they're ever going to do. Decide it now because it really, really, really hurts when it happens. And you're taking the decision off the table. I'm going to forgive them in this moment. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? And how does it work? That's what you want to work on before the hurt comes. So Jesus gives us an incredible parable about forgiveness. And he's starting to help us understand and appreciate how powerful forgiveness is for each and every one of us, and it doesn't make sense to not be forgiving, so, so we need to do it. Now, how do we get to this discussion of forgiveness? Well, if we go back to the beginning of the chapter, he starts off by saying we're all going to need forgiveness in our lives. We're all going to need forgiveness in our lives, and, and what, you do, what do you do when you are wrong or wronged? What are the steps that we need to take? And so Jesus had gotten really practical to help you and I work towards forgiveness, whether we're the offender or whether we're the one that have been offended. So Matthew chapter 18, if you flip back in 98, starting in verse 15, he gives us these three super practical steps. And a lot of times we, we put ourselves in the place of the person who's being offended. This passage is for both the person being offended and the one who is offended. First he says this. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. The thing between you and him. If he listens to you, you've gained a brother. If he doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you that the charge might be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. And truly I say to you, whoever, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I, I say to you, if two or, or of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. For there are two or three gathered in my name. There I am among you. Now, what are these steps for reconciliation when I'm wrong or when I am wronged? And remember, think about this on both sides because you're going to be on both sides. Step number one when you're wrong is simply this, talk together alone. When somebody hurts you or when you hurt someone, you want to get to the point where you have a conversation alone, one-on-one. You hurt my feelings. You said this. You did this. It bothered me. It hurt me. It upset me. It's, it's, it's caused me pain, anguish, anxiety, whatever it might be. And you have that conversation together in love with the goal of restoration. So we think about this often as the first step in discipline, in church discipline. And and that's not wrong. This is the first step in correcting someone's bad behavior. This is a step that's going to happen all the time. It's a very, very, very common step. And we get this very, very, very wrong a lot. Two reasons. One, we have trouble talking. We have trouble talking, and we have trouble listening. They hurt your feelings, and all you want to do is rah! And the dishes are flying, and they're breaking on the opposite wall, and you're kicking the dog, and you're just ready just to blow up in any moment, and you go back out of there, and you've just done all kinds of damage to each other's heart, and to come back in and be like, okay, we need to talk, is like a weird change of gears. But you have to get to the point where you actually can have a period, a moment, a conversation where you are able to talk to one another and truly listen. A few weeks ago, we talked about the power of listening. And that applies here. And how you react in this appropriate conversation where you're appropriately talking and you're appropriate listening that's been done in love, will determine whether or not you move forward. When you're in the wrong, listen. Listen to the person that's talking. When someone comes up to you and says, hey, I need to talk to you about something, you really, this really bothered me. Don't start talking. Don't start explaining yourself. Don't start defending yourself. Simply listen. Because whether you're guilty or not, You need to hear what the person who's offended has to say. You need to hear them out in their entirety. You need to, in love and compassionately, open your ears and shut your mouth so that you can receive it. If you have wronged them, you earned it. You do need to sit there and listen and take it all in. But it's hard. Let it be hard. See, what happens in this moment is we get our defenses up. We start trying to explain our actions and we start trying to justify them and we we start defending ourselves. We start building this brick wall and and we, we start to push back. The way that this conversation should go is someone comes who's hurt to talk to the other person in love. That will not be represented by anger. More often, it will be represented by tears. A soft heart. This hurt me, this bothered me. And and I, I, I need to talk to you about it. Then the person who's wrong needs to hear them out. Listen and hear. That means understand. Put yourself in their shoes. And then apologize. I am sorry. Will you please forgive me? When that happens, you gain a brother. The relationship becomes better, stronger, healthier. This is a very powerful practice when done well. Married couples, you're going to do it all the time. Siblings, all the time. Co-workers, all the time. It's going to happen. Naturally, it's going to happen. It doesn't have to be a big deal. It doesn't have to be a lunch. It doesn't have to be a dinner. It can become something that you're natural So if you're being confronted, listen. If you're confronting, talk in love. What happens, though, if the person who was in the wrong doesn't admit it? Well, go to the next step. In verse 16, if they have not done it, then you're going to talk together with a few. In love, same principle, to restore. You're bringing a couple other people who are related somehow to you in the situation. You're not calling on the internet. You're not bringing up strangers. You're not going to get lawyers. You're simply bringing some closely connected people who will help with this conversation. When you're in the wrong, same thing. Listen here and apologize. What is the purpose of bringing a few people? Well, the passage says, so that the wrong can be established in the presence of witnesses. Because what if the person in the wrong isn't actually wrong? What if it's a big misunderstanding? What if it's a big miscommunication? Well, these people will help us see that. They will be able to establish it. They will be able to say, you know what, it's not a big deal, or this was just a miscommunication, or it is unintentional. And so we want to come back and we want to say, hey, let's just redirect here and re-decide. It is a it is a proper boundary, it's a proper step for both the person who is wrong and the person who was wrong. But a lot of times when we're being confronted by a group of people, our defenses go up. Hey, if you're not wrong, don't worry about it. Just explain it and work it out. If you are wrong now there's a little bit more force being applied you're cheating on your spouse we know about it and you need to stop no i don't none of your business get out of my house and now it's established that you're actually intentionally engaging in behavior that is hurting someone else that you are sinning and you're refusing to apologize you're refusing to repent You're refusing to make a change. In that case, uh, other people need to be aware, not in a gossip way, need to be aware that this has actually happened and it's causing you offense. Now, if you in this moment because other people came, you apologize, you hear, you apologize, and you work it out, it goes no further. A brother has been gained. Or go to the next step. Verse 17 then says, after that second step, tell it to the church in love. Now this is where it gets a little bit confusing. There's there's an incredibly interesting theological moment here. Because the word church is only used twice in the book of Matthew. This is the second time. The first time it was used, Jesus said to Peter, on this rock I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not storm against it. So we know that the mission of the church is to storm the gates of hell to pull people out. In this instance, Jesus is saying again to Peter, tell it to the church. Well, who's the church? It's not the building. You don't come up to the building and be like, building, my husband is a jerk. Okay, so the church is not a building. It's not the worship service. This is not the church. This is a worship service where the church gathers. I'm not bringing someone up on the platform and be like, excuse me, I'm going to interrupt this for a second. I need to tell you about Chris. Chris has crossed the line and he did this, 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 and this. That's, That's not what this is talking about. It's not tattling to the worship service. Telling it to the church means bringing the people that you are living in community with into the circumstance into the wrong into the unrepentant sin and then as a family when you're bringing in and it's the church it's not even everyone it doesn't say the pastor it's not my job to come run over to you and fix the wrong or offense that's happening in your life may i be a part of this process sure it may happen But it ideally is happening with the people that you're doing community with. Where might this show up? It might show up in a small group. That's telling it to the church. It might might show up in a a team gathering, in a huddle. It it may show up with the uh, church elders and overseers and leaders. But when I tell it to the church, I'm talking to, to involved members of my community, people that I do life with. This is not bringing a 1,000 people into my issue. It's bringing key people that I do life with, my family, into this conversation. And if you are wronged, you better listen. In this moment, you better listen. And if you better apologize, you better repent and turn from that sin. And if you do, you will gain a brother. But if you don't, the Bible says this, treat them as a neighbor, not a brother. In other words treat them as a Gentile and a tax collector, is saying they're not in the family. They're not a part of the body of Christ. If they have unrepentant sin that's been confirmed, that's been addressed, that's been shown to more than a few people, then they are not saved. Treat them as such. This is not a shunning where I turn my back on them. And we don't talk to that person because they decided that they weren't going to repent from that sin. This is removing them from the community, from the fellowship. Treat them as a neighbor. Now, what does the Bible say about neighbors? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Do I still love the brother who's unrepentant? No longer a brother. Do I still love the person who's unrepentant? Yes, I do. Can they come to like worship services and stuff? That would be awesome. (laughs) If the situation's appropriate. Can they take communion? Nope. In our setting, can they be a member of your church? Nope. We'll probably have removed their membership. They're not a part of the family. They're a neighbor who can visit. They're a neighbor who can hear about Jesus. But they have to turn their life back over to Jesus. And so I treat someone as a neighbor, not as a brother, when they are wronged. When you're wrong. The whole point of this is so that you will listen here and apologize. So, in Matthew chapter 18, when Jesus gives us this incredible lesson on forgiveness, he gives us a mechanism to deal with what, the wrongs that people do. And these steps can help encourage us as we go along the way. And it gives us the context of the church as a place to, I'm missing a slide by the way, as a place to have these conversations. If you have not yet put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, today we want to encourage you to make that decision. Jesus has forgiven you everything. And he wants you to be a part of his family and his community where we can work together in love and forgiveness to be better, to be stronger, to heal. The church is that community in which we do life together. That's the blessing of the church. I'm not coming to a building. I'm not coming to a worship service. We don't do church. We are the church. And we gather in community in big settings on Sundays and in small settings throughout the week. And this community gathering does incredible stuff for us. When we gather in the power of community, life is better together. You build relationships with people where you can talk about the good things and the bad things, the hard things and the soft things, the shallow things and the deep things. Life is better together. It's better to celebrate birthdays together. It's better to celebrate victories together. It's better to have someone with you when life gets hard. One of our small groups right now is putting meals together for the Prosser family because baby Maggie's in the hospital. That's life being better together. When we are together in our groups doing community, we grow stronger. We're able to grow in our faith. We're able to encourage each other and go deeper in our knowledge of God. We're able to do more in the power of many than than we would in the power of a few. When we are in community together, we reach farther. We have a greater impact. We are able to to love and demonstrate the love of Jesus to our neighbors and and shine brighter. Jesus says, go out and be the light of the world, right? One light, puts together with two lights, is now twice as bright. Put them all in a bonfire and you've got some incredible magic happening. That's what happens in groups. That's what happens in community. That's what happens when the church is the church. If you've been a part of Branch Life Church or any church and, and you've just come in on a Sunday morning and, and, and shown up occasionally and then kind of left and thought that you did the church thing without engaging in community, what we're encouraging you today to do is to go deeper into community. And at Branch Life Church, we believe that means, yes, getting together and worshiping on Sunday mornings, but it also means meeting up with one another in smaller community groups, in smaller settings where we can go deeper and be stronger. We want to encourage you to think about how you can connect and connecting community over this next week. And Pastor Scott's going to come up and tell you a little bit about how you can use the connection card to do that. And next week, we're going to talk about this question. Is marriage forever?
1: Hey guys, thanks again for diving into God's word with us. We hope it spoke to you in a special way. Don't forget to fill out your connection card before you log off. You may go to branchlife.church or you can find it in the chat area and click on the link if this was a blessing to you it would be a favor to us if you could pass the word along share it online tag a friend or by word of mouth who knows how god can speak to you or to others through this series anytime you would like to connect with us come right back onto our website or onto our youtube channel facebook and hopefully you can find um, ways to connect with us more series to dive into, and just ways to help encourage you throughout your day. Thanks again, bye.